Hello, friends and church leaders. Welcome to another episode of the Effective Church Leaders Podcast, where we believe every church and ministry leader deserves the support they need to become more confident and effective in helping their church grow. I'm your host, Carrie Holton. I'm joined by my co-host, Becky Holton. Yes, you are. How's it going over there? Very well, very well. How are you? I'm good. I uh, Let's start this episode by noticing something Jesus said. Let's what do you do. think about that? Let's do. It's actually recorded in John um, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. And let me just read it out of the simple English Bible. I am the true vine. My father is the farmer. My father takes away any branch in me which is not producing fruit. My father trims each branch which is producing fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the message I have spoken to you. Stay in me and I will stay in you. No branch can produce fruit on its own. It must stay on the vine. In the same way, you cannot produce unless you stay in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Who will produce much fruit? The person who stays in me and in whom I stay. You can do nothing without me. If anyone does not stay in me, he's like a branch which is thrown away. He dries up. People gather dead branches and throw them in the fire and they burn up. If you stay in me and my words stay in you, then you may ask for whatever you want and it will happen for you. You must produce much fruit and be my followers. This is how my father gets glory. Hmm. Well, sweetheart, what's noteworthy to you about that passage? What's a takeaway for you? That's an interesting passage, isn't it? It really is. You know, I think the main point is pretty obvious, and that is we must remain or stay or abide in Jesus if we're going to bear fruit. Right. I do wish Jesus had told us in that passage what fruit he's talking about. Yes. I mean, we could go other places in the New Testament, but that's another mm-hmm. study, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I, I tell you what I think is interesting about that passage. There are principles there that, that are very interesting. First of all, God wants us to bear fruit. Mm-hmm. He wants us to be fruitful and productive. That's the point of the whole passage. Right. But there's another principle here that I think is really interesting, and that is that he removes the branches that are not bearing fruit. Mm-hmm. Wow, that is really interesting, and that's a dire warning for us, isn't it? Yep, that's a flashing red light there. Yes, he removes the branches that are not bearing fruit. But I think there's a third thing that I want to draw out of that passage, and that is that Jesus says every branch that bears fruit, the Father prunes to make it bear more fruit. So it's like God looks at us and says, okay, those people of mine are healthy, but what can we do to make them more healthy? Mm-hmm. How can we make them more fruitful, more productive? You know, our listeners may be wondering where in the world we're going in this episode and how John 15 applies to churches and church leaders. And it's because there's this a really important concept in John 15. It's a concept that's valuable for churches, and it is, it is the value of pruning. Yes, and the gardeners among us will understand right away what it means to prune a plant. Right. To prune a plant is to cut off or cut back parts of the plant for better shape or for more fruitful growth. A gardener will intentionally cut off branches and buds to make a plant more fruitful. And let's think like a gardener would and consider what this could mean for the church. 
Uh, you know, I think whether you are talking about those who grow flowers or vegetables or trees, I've read that there are three categories of pruning. And again, consider, as we share these, consider how these concepts in this language can apply to the church. And here are those three categories I've read about. Number one, healthy buds or branches that are not the best ones. Those are some you need to prune. Yes. Number two, sick branches that are not going to get well. Those need to go. Okay. And number three, dead branches that are taking up space needed for the healthy ones to thrive. The dead ones have to go. All right. You know, Henry Cloud writes about these three categories of pruning in his book, Necessary Endings. Mm. As we consider these three categories, let's consider what this might mean for a rose bush, let's say. Okay. In the first category of pruning, a gardener or caretaker is constantly examining the bush or plant to see which buds are worthy of the plant's limited fuel and support, and he cuts the others away. He prunes them. He ends their role in the life of the bush and puts an end to the bushes having to divert resources to them. And in doing so, The gardener frees those needed resources so the plant can redirect them to the buds with the greatest potential to become mature roses. Those buds get the best that the bush has to offer, and they thrive and grow to fullness. But the rose bush could not do this without pruning. We've had rose bushes before. I like rose bushes. Me too. Yes, beautiful. And it's hard to do that pruning. You feel like you're hurting them. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> you, just you do feel like you need to apologize with each snip. But that's that is a very true principle, you know. And in the second category of pruning, a gardener will examine a plant to see if they are sick or if there's some diseased branches that are just not going to ever make it, you know. And she may fertilize and nurture those branches and talk to them and may try many things to make them healthy, including a rain dance, who knows when you get into it. But at some point, she may come to the realization that more water and more fertilizer or more care, it's just not going to help. It's not going to make that come back to life like you would want. So she cuts away those sick and diseased branches. And it is so that more fuel and more life pour into the healthy buds that look good. Now the plant is focusing when the pruning, after the pruning happens, now that plant is going to focus its energy every day on feeding and growing the buds that are destined to reach full bloom and maturity, not not being derailed to the ones that just aren't going to make it. Right, right. Now let's talk about that third category of pruning that you mentioned. A gardener will cut off those dead branches and buds that are just taking up space. Right. The healthy branches need that room to reach their full length and height, but they cannot spread when dead branches force them to bend and turn corners, for example. So, to give the healthy blooms and branches room and an unobstructed path to grow, the dead ones are cut away. You know, I think this is very interesting to hear his three categories of pruning. We've done a lot of pruning of plants through the years, and I had never categorized And I probably have not pruned consistently with all three categories if I just look back at how I have taken care of some plants. 
And uh, But I think those three categories of pruning are very interesting and helpful for us and for that rose bush to reach its full potential, you know, for it to become as beautiful as it can be. If we want that for our plants and flowers and rose bushes, you have to prune. Yes. It just has to happen. So let's take that concept now and apply it to the church. It's a truth that we should try to accept. And I, I think that's the key thing right there is accepting this truth is really, really hard. For it's sure. one thing to clip off a dead branch on a rose bush. It's another thing to think about pruning something at church. It, you know, and I think it's really hard to accept. And we in the church, we may be very slow to accept it. You know, it's the truth that growth depends on pruning. It's the same principle that applies in churches. It depends on getting rid of the unfruitful and the ineffective. So let's start applying this to the church. Let's go a little deeper with it. Let's get those snippers out. All right. Well, for now, let's just consider the ministries or the programs in your church. Okay. Do any of them need to be pruned? My guess is that there are some that need to be cut back or cut off. Aren't there always? I mean, because sure. life changes. Well, you know, some of those programs may be good, healthy, and even fruitful ministries, but they may not be as fruitful as others. Maybe the resources that you are investing in those good ministries could be invested better in more productive ministries mm-hmm. that had greater potential and that could use some extra resources. Or... Perhaps some of your ministries need to be pruned or tweaked in order to make them more fruitful. Or perhaps some of your ministries are like the dead branches on a rose bush. They need to be terminated to allow room for healthy and more effective ministries to thrive. You know, if your ministries or programs are not achieving the vision you have for them, then they really need to be pruned. They need to go away. And the reason is so that the resources that are being expended on those sick, diseased, or actually dead programs, the resources that are committed to those ineffective programs, they can be diverted to fuel more effective and more promising programs. And no church that I know of has an unlimited budget. They don't, you know, they have to be um, conservative. They have to be discerning with good stewards of the money. And this is really a stewardship issue too, I think. They they have limited resources. Yes. And they need to make the decision on where they will uh, spend those resources. and they, they want to spend them in the right places, in the right programs. So you're exactly right about that. And, you know, I think, honey, just here we could, we could encourage church leaders to ask two questions regarding their ministries and their programs. And here's the first question. Okay. Uh, ask, what are you really good at? I mean, what are your most effective programs? Hmm. That's which, a good question. Which ones are achieving or have the potential to achieve the vision that you have for them. When you identify that, then you can focus on those things. You can spend your time and your limited resources doing the things that you are really good at. You can invest your resources into those programs that are really effective. And what we notice in a lot of churches is that their programs 
tend to be a mile wide and an inch deep. Mm, that's a good way to put it. In other words, they have so many programs and so many ministries that they cannot focus on a few really effective ones. I think that there's a potential to have really effective programs, but when you have so many, there's just not enough resources. Right. And that question becomes hard to answer what we're good at if if only a half a cup of water is getting to each program. There you go. So that's a harder question, I think. And another good question, I think, churches can say and ask to themselves, what have we stopped doing that is not effective? Mm, good question. And I think a lot of churches, if they ask themselves that question, there would be a lot of cricket noises because right. it's really hard for churches to say, well, we've shut this one off and this one off and this one off. It's just really hard to do that, to stop things. You know, and our experience really is that it takes a long time for a ministry or a program to be terminated. We're just so slow to end a program, even when we acknowledge that the best days are in the rearview mirror, mm -hmm. you know. My guess is that most churches have not stopped doing what is ineffective. They just allow those programs to die a slow, unnatural death. I think is, you're right about they that. They don't stop it. They just, no one, everyone quits going or no one will do it anymore. And so it has to end. There's just not, I think... I think church leaders often just don't want to take the responsibility to say we're killing this thing. Well, I was going to ask you, why is that the truth? I think that is the case, that programs tend to die a slow death. But why is that? Why are we so slow, so hesitant to prune ministries and programs that are ineffective and that prevent us from investing resources and focusing on more fruitful ministries? Why? Well, you know, earlier we mentioned that the value of pruning and the need to prune is hard to accept. And making the commitment to get rid of the unfruitful and the ineffective is so hard. It's difficult. And to do so often involves fear and pain and conflict Yet in order to succeed, we have to prune. It's just really hard to accept that pruning, you got to do pruning when you know it's going to make someone upset and it's going to hurt. And those are all things we just really try to avoid. Well, I see what you mean, uh, that when you start pruning, it can hurt people. Uh, pruning a program or a ministry can hurt people, especially those who are involved in that ministry or maybe those who started that program. And after all, it, it represents a change, and oftentimes change hurts. It's just unpleasant. And I just a little comment right here. I think when that happens is when the church has lost its mission. That's a good point. Because all programs are to be started that fulfill the mission. And when we become afraid to end a program because it might hurt someone or it's going to signal a change or it's just hard or painful. I think that might be a red flag to leaders that they've fallen off mission. I guess we would be putting the feelings of people above the mission of the church. Oftentimes. And I, yeah. And, but we're not saying go in with a machete no, on these things, of course not. but if the whole church is on mission, then some of these things are going to be easier. People go, oh, yeah, we can't be pouring money here. We've got to put it over there. We, we're, you know, I think when everybody is on mission, especially the leaders continue to lead, and the church hears this is our mission regularly, that that's going to help this process. It's still going to be hard, but yeah. maybe it's a red flag, too. Let me, let me offer an illustration of, of what you talk about, okay. that sometimes pruning programs hurts people. 
uh, for years, decades even. Uh, Sunday evening worship services have been a staple in the weekly schedule of many churches in our fellowship. But many churches are experiencing waning attendance at those services, and some churches have discontinued their Sunday night services, and some churches continue to have them, but they're noticing a real decline Mm -hmm. in the number of people who come to those services. So consequently, I know of church leaders who are wondering what to do about their Sunday night worship services. Should they terminate the Sunday evening assembly so that they could focus their energies on other programs and activities? Well, that's a tough call. But if they choose to close the Sunday evening assembly, you know some people will be hurt by that decision. Right. I mean, some people like that assembly. They have become accustomed to it. So Mm -hmm. it will hurt them if that program is closed. Now, we're not we're not trying to offer an opinion on whether or not the Sunday night assembly needs to close or not. That's up to individual churches. It's just an example of how we are hesitant to prune certain programs and ministries because we don't want to hurt others. Right. And I think what we're saying is that we need to ask what programs and ministries are effective, what programs and ministries are fruitful, productive, which ones are working and which ones are not. And we need to be willing to call out the unfruitful, uh, ineffective ones to prune them so that the church can grow. Mm-hmm. That's key. So the church can grow. I think we're distinguishing two between hurt and harm. We should. We should. Yeah. Yeah. I think that we should try to distinguish that because the very language of pruning implies hurting. Right. To cut someone to cut someone or something off. Well, I guess it's something off. I guess if a plant had feelings that you could say <laughs> that you could hurt the plant by pruning it. <laughs> right. Uh, but you don't harm it. You help it to be more fruitful and more productive. You know, if you go to the dentist and she tells you you have an infected tooth and you need to have another root canal. <laughs> You've had your share of root canals lately, haven't you? You, <sighs> you speak from experience. Oh, my goodness. I'm just kind of starting to sweat just saying all of this. I mean, if she says you have to have a root canal, now that's going to hurt for a time. But it will not be harmful for the dentist to do the root canal uh, and inflict the pain because it's going to help it get better. It's going to eventually be a healing event. It's going to hurt. Your wallet's going to hurt worse, Mm -hmm. but eventually um, it will help, and it'll be a productive, even though there's been pain, oh, there's been pain, it'll be better. I like, I really like that distinction you made between hurt and harm. Mm -hmm. I mean, some things hurt, but that doesn't mean they harm. Some things hurt and they harm. Right. Yep. But when you prune something, it might hurt for a while, but Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you're harming the institution or harming the plant. I, I think what you said, the same can be said for pruning programs and ministries that are no longer effective and may be draining resources that could be better used elsewhere. It may hurt to prune those programs, but it won't harm that church that prunes them. It could make that church even more productive and more fruitful. Absolutely. So we are encouraging you church leaders to ask what your church is good at. We're encouraging you to discontinue programs or ministries that are ineffective. What then would be the first step that you could do in order to take to start the pruning process? Well, I think that's a good question, the first step, and we will only introduce the answer in this podcast. We 
we hope we can come back to this uh, at a different podcast. But for now. If we don't prune it. That's right. If we don't cut it off. (laughs) But for now, uh, let's give our listeners a short answer to the question. If you are a gardener and you want to prune your rose bush so that it is as healthy and as fruitful and as beautiful as it can be, what is your first step? You must know what a healthy and fruitful and beautiful rose bush looks like. Good point. In other words, you have to know the standard you are pruning toward. If you are a church leader, you have to have a good definition of what you want the outcome to look like and then prune toward that outcome. Excellent. I think that's an excellent um way to start wrapping this up and it's a good goal statement we have to have a standard to measure ourselves against and that's a very good and prune toward that standard and prune toward that standard right okay well that's probably enough for this podcast and i I, let's promise our readers that we'll try to come back to this concept concept and elaborate a little bit more on pruning in the church because I think it's hard to even think about it first, but once we start thinking about it, we probably need to go a little deeper in it. But before we close, however, we want to encourage you, our listeners, to let us know the subjects you would like for us to address in the Effective Church Leaders podcast. What questions do you have? What issues or problems or challenges are you facing? We would like to know them, for we only want to support you as you tend to the most important work in the world. So if you have a subject that you would like us to address, please send us uh, that. Send that to us, and we will uh, we will do our best to try to answer them. And you can send your questions or subjects uh, to address to Carrie's email address, and it is Holton dot at gmail dot com. You might tell them, honey, the proper way to spell my name too. They may not know it. The right way to spell okay, Carrie. Well, okay. Well, and actually. It's a whole ton, H-O-L-T-O-N yes. dot carry, K-E-R-R-Y. That's did I, correct. Did I do it well? You did well. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. All right. In the meantime, listeners, we'll plan to return next week with another episode of the Effective Church Leaders Podcast, where we believe every church and ministry leader deserves the support they need to become more confident and effective in helping their church grow.